one. What is up? We are back. This is Tuesday, August 17th. This is episode 68 of Football Life Presents the Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond. And look who's back. Matt Bushnell after a tour of the Midwest. Back on Football Life Presents the Audible. Matt Bushnell, what's up, buddy? Nothing much, Randy. I'm alive. All the rumors of my demise were greatly exaggerated. I am back better than ever. You might as well call me Eric Bischoff. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to our wrestling fans out there and Corey richmond is in the comment section already there that's the throwback wrestling reference i appreciate that uh we, i do want to address uh, an apology off the top here for not going last week i did have a breaking news story i work in the news world um all things considered not to be hyperbolic i would say it's the second biggest news day uh in the last 20 years in new york history uh the most powerful man leaving the position so Please uh, excuse my absence last week and our absence. So we are back. We're going to be on a consistent schedule now, Matt, because preseason football is here. There's a lot of talking points, and we got to finish up our our, our divisional previews today. Yeah, um, people got their whistles wetted a little bit there on Saturday and Friday and Thursday with that, I I guess, whorehouse of an exhibition week. Um, (laughs) So, Randy, we're getting closer. We're inching closer that that line is coming closer, September twelfth, well, I believe. September 9th is opening day, and then the twelfth yeah. is the first Sunday. First Sunday. Well, you know, the Bears open on Sunday night. I don't really pay attention to Thursday night football unless the beloved Chicago Bears are <laughs> playing, and they're not. So Thursday, September 9th, we don't care. Oh, we do, though. The reigning, defending, undisputed champions, Tampa Bay Bucks, go against the Dallas Cowboys, who are on Hard Knocks this year. So we'll have to talk about Hard Knocks and catch up on all of the preseason uh, storylines that we've missed, honestly, the last few weeks that we haven't got to talk about. We're going to do that next week because we do need to finish our division preview. And today, we, I would say we saved uh, one of the best for last. I don't know if it is the best for sure, but one of the best um, in the AFC West. And it does have the best player in the in the, in the world on in this division. So we're going to save him for last for sure, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Um, but we're going to get started off here um, with – uh, a team that, you know, you're not that far from there, Matt Bushnell, the, the Raiders. The, <laughs> I wrote, it's the funny thing is in the rundown, I wrote Oakland <laughs> the Raiders, and they are not that. They have the Las Vegas Raiders, um, and I'm never going to get used to that, but that's the reality of the situation. Um, I'll start off right away here because John Gruden, I believe, is in year four of a 10-year deal, um, and it was pretty crazy that they gave it to him in the first place, and he's been pretty um, – unremarkably average, I would say, so far to this point in his career. And his relationship with Derek Carr, I feel like, has been a major talking point to this point. Um, It's almost like you can say you don't love a quarterback without saying you don't love a quarterback because he's been so noncommittal to Derek Carr. And, I mean, Derek Carr, I feel like, really played well for the most part last year. So coming to the 2021, Matt Bushnell, what is your stance on the uh, Gruden-Carr relationship as of now? Well, I mean, you got to be excited about – Fans in the Roomba, the Roomba Dome. Uh, so that will be a sight to see. I, I, I like the Las Vegas Raiders. I really do. I think Carr showed a lot last year. I don't think he was the problem for the Raiders. It goes back to their defense. I'm more interested in how we view Gruden at this point. Like you said, it's been four years in. We've seen defensive failures. We've seen offensive mishaps. I'm not sure if he's ever... Carr's like this weird situation with him. He's had him going on year four now. Mm-hmm. Does he love him? Does he hate him? 
Hard Knocks made it kind of feel like a very weird relationship when they were on there together. I believe that was 2019 because the Rams were last year in the pandemic year. Yes, it was two years ago because that was the Antonio Brown fallout and everything as well. Yeah, uh, and you know, it just gave you a really weird vibe, and I, I don't know if it's changed much. To me, the, the Raiders are interesting. They may have the best tight end in football. I mean, mm. D- Darren Waller is... Um, did I, is his first name Darren? I think it's Darren, right? Yeah, Darren Waller, the baller. Okay, got it. Got it. Wanted to make sure I knew my stuff. I don't want to come off as an ignorant fool here, <laughs> but I thought Wall. I think Waller is a really good player. Uh, Josh Jacobs could have a bounce back to help Derek Carr. Henry Ruggs is a speed demon. Um, I'm not sure if he has much polish as a wide receiver after that. It still kind of feels like they lack that number one. I'm not sure who really takes the title of that number one wide receiver. They seem to have a lot of parts there, but I don't know. Obviously, I think Waller is the first option on a lot of routes. Yeah, uh, he's definitely the number one target and and top three tight end in the league, I would say. He's up there with a the guy we're going to talk about later, Travis Kelsey and um, George Kittle. I mean, it's those three guys separated themselves from the rest of the league. And Waller has one of the best stories in the NFL. If you don't want to, I'm not going to explain it to you. It's, it's a long one, but uh, if you look into him and he's got a really inspirational story and yeah. how he overcame a bunch of things early in his career and earlier in his life. So uh, I love rooting for Darren Waller. Um, just to you know, touch on Carr here. He has three straight 4,000 yards passing seasons. Um, and in 2020, he had a 63.3, uh, 67 uh, completion percent, completion percentage, 4,100 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, and just nine picks. I mean, that's a pretty good ratio, three to one, obviously. Uh, you'll take that in your quarterback. And he didn't even really play that well down the stretch. So um, I think, you know, Carr is not the biggest problem here. I do agree that it's more Gruden than anything. And, and even Mayock uh, with some of the draft picks that they've made in recent years. Um, but you had Josh Jacobs, like you mentioned, and then you also added Kenyon Drake. For some reason, they paid Kenyon Drake a lot of money to come on to the team here. So they might be trying to replicate some sort of Brown situation like they have with uh, Kareem Hunt <laughs> and Nick Chubb with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. I, I don't know, but uh, there they are. They have two pretty expensive running backs now. Henry Rugg said he put on a bunch of weight in the offseason, so maybe that could be optimism. But, I mean, that's not going to help him uh, with his separation or his hands, so we'll see about that. Uh, I think Henry Ruggs developing into a number one receiver would open up a ton for the rest of the offense because Waller already does draw a ton of attention. So if they have a guy on the outside who can make up, make plays that would do wonders. But uh, a lot of the, uh, the issues for them in the offseason is that they had a lot of shuffling with the offensive line. Yeah. Um, they really, I, I don't remember all of the names, but I believe they made a trade with the, the, um, the Cardinals with the Texans and I believe the Patriots and I mean, their offensive line was really good last year, so this makes me think it's going to take a step back. But Gruden has done a good job evaluating offensive line talent. So, I don't know, Matt. When you give a guy a decade-long contract, I understand you have to be patient. But at what point do you look at this and say, all right, when are we going to see any sort of progress to, like, maybe we make the playoffs? Like, at this point, like, you still have, I believe, three teams in the division that are better than you. At some point, something has to change here, and I don't know when. To me, you, you take a look at the structure, you know, to give John Gruden 10 years based off of a Super Bowl win, you can't ignore that that was a roster that Tony Dungy not only helped pick out, but also mm-hmm. develop. So Gruden won that with defense that basically Dungy cultivated there. So how much credit are we really going to give, you know, John Gruden, the situation with that Super Bowl win for the Bucks? I mean, Brad Johnson was their quarterback. 
they had a couple of nice offensive pieces. Keyshawn Johnson, I believe, was on the roster. So I don't I don't want to sell Gruden short, but no coach outside of Bill Belichick, possibly Andy Reid, is worth a 10-year deal. I mean, if, if it's Belichick, I, all right, I can't argue with 10 years. Andy Reid, he's obviously up there in years, but Andy Reid's always a perennial playoff coach. His teams usually are in the hunt, if not in the playoffs. And usually when they get in the playoffs, they get pretty deep. So those two guys are really the only two that come to mind that I would even consider a 10-year deal for now. And even in the past, I probably wouldn't put Andy Reid up there. But John Gruden getting 10 years was probably one of the bigger mistakes. And remember, with coaches' contracts, they they are fully guaranteed unless they walk away. And is John Gruden going to walk away from $10 million a year? No. So – Anyone who thinks that John Gruden is going to get fired, you are absolutely insane. It's not going to happen. Maybe and, year nine. Yeah, I mean, he has a ton of control. So um, a lot of this, like we can, we can, I'm going to talk about the GM now, but uh, Gruden has a ton of say in the operation uh, that happens there in, in, in Las Vegas. So the drafting is a big issue with me here. Roster construction is a big, uh, obviously, aspect of this. In the first year, they had um, picks. They had three first rounders. They traded Khalil Mack away to the Bears, yeah. and we're like, we're gonna we're gonna revamp our our whole team with these three first round picks. So then they get the what the fourth overall pick, yeah, from from the Bears in the Khalil Mack deal, I believe it was. No, or, it wasn't the fourth overall pick. It was they a... had the fourth overall pick already. Yeah, I, they took Cleveland Farrell. Uh, a stunning pick at the time. Like this was not, this is a guy who projected in the twenties um, and they picked him just because he had a, a high character, high motor. He knows never, never was that talented of a pass rusher um, sort of to replace Cleo Mack in that aspect, which is a big joke. Um, and then they turn around and they take uh, Kevin Abrams or Jonathan Abrams. I'm sorry. With the pick the 27th pick. Um, who the has been hurt. Huh? That pick was actually from the Cowboys for the Amari Cooper deal. Correct. And uh, so that, and they pick him who was, was good, um, but is co- constantly hurt, never able to stay on the field. And then Josh Jacobs, uh, 24th overall, the running back uh, from, uh, what was it, Alabama, right? Yeah, uh, from, um, yeah, he was from Alabama, I believe. Yeah. So this whole, this, this whole tenure was pretty much predicated on how well they did that draft. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is talented, but he's a running back, and it's a first-round running back. You know my stance on this. It's not a smart <laughs> thing to do. Um, and then you take in a, a safety who's constantly hurt, which I think you could find plenty of good safeties in the second, third, fourth round. You don't need to always take a safety in the first, unless they're you know one of these you know elite guys that you could say stay one year on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And then Cleveland Farrell was the biggest whiff of them all, and that could have been a fireable offense day one. Everyone knew it then, and it looks even worse now. And that doesn't even count after the fact where they picked Damon Arnett, a corner, in, in, in 2020, um, and Henry Ruggs. The, they picked Henry Ruggs, the first receiver off the board in 2020, over Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, and, and Justin Jefferson, mind you, who was a runner-up for Rookie of the Year. So the Raiders have a big issue with roster construction here. And Mike Mayock worked as a draft analyst for a long time in NFL, on an NFL network, but this clearly is not working. And I think Rudin is safe. You're right about that. But Mayock is probably not. Yeah, Mayock's definitely the setup for the fall guy here. And then they'll probably just give all that power to John Gruden or let Gruden select some guy that he can still puppeteer. You know, you can't miss 
when you trade a guy like Mac, you trade a guy like Cooper, these are perennial cornerstones of your franchise. And I know Gruden wanted to put his own stamp on it, but I don't get what Khalil Mack does that made your franchise so bad, you know, that you just couldn't have the guy or Amari Cooper. He was inconsistent, but he's still a young receiver. You put him in Dallas and look what he did. So to me, always a great route runner. Always. Yeah, absolutely. The, the only thing that really knocked him his first couple of years in uh, yeah, when they were in Oakland was his drops. He, he dropped passes, you know, lack of concentration. That is something that you can work on. Drops, we saw Terrell Owens early in his career drop a crap load of passes to become, mm-hmm. what, the third or second statistically greatest wide receiver ever. Mm-hmm. So obviously drops can become can be overcome. But, man, when you, when you trade away cornerstones of your franchise to put your own stamp on it, and when it fails and everyone can see it, it really, really shows – when you can't get a pass rush, you're dead last in sacks. Then when you can't get a number one wide receiver, you pick a guy like Henry Ruggs. I mean, it goes back to what are you doing? What are you evaluating? We all saw Ruggs on tape. Speed demon. Absolutely. It was super fast. But Jerry Judy was a better wide receiver. C.D. Mm-hmm. Lamb was a much better wide receiver without all the help with being in Alabama. And mm-hmm. then a guy out of nowhere Randy, I, I had, you know, Justin Jefferson, I thought was like, okay, he could be a nice little wide receiver. You know, that's, it makes sense to get him. Turns out to be some mega rookie and he's just putting up Googles of yards and you just see this stuff and you're like, what are they evaluating? What is Mike Mayock seeing that none of us see? Mm-hmm. And this is where I circle back to your offensive line comment. You're getting rid of proven guys. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you have proven to me is that you cannot identify talent in the draft or undrafted free agents in the building. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge concern. And, and to combat sort of the, the turnover on the offensive line, they take Alex Leatherwood in the first round this year, who was a projected second rounder, maybe even a third rounder. Yeah. And that was stunning. I mean, a lot of, I mean, I know you needed a tackle, but the, the best tackles were already off the board and there were still options available for offensive linemen that were first round talents that had first round grades. I know we like to criticize uh, scouts and people who project uh, do mock drafts, but at the same time, these people have gotten more right than wrong, in my opinion. So to constantly have a, I mean, you can have a different train of thought. If it works, it has yet to show me, uh, you've yet to show me that it has uh, worked to this point. So uh, Leatherwood right now is the projected right tackle. Um, they still have a solid offensive line here with Colton Miller at left tackle. He's pretty good still. Richie Incognito somehow still in the league. <laughs> uh, and Denzel Good and Andre James uh, rounding out the offensive line. Um, the, the, the roster itself is, <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired here I, I would I would like more um, out of this and the defense really is thin I mean Unique Ngakwe and Cleveland Farrell are there are there two pass rushers um, Jonathan Hankins feels like a, a vet in the middle that probably isn't going to last too long Corey Littleton is a solid linebacker for the Rams but I think it helps when you play behind Aaron Donald a little bit so I wonder if his impact will be less and then your secondary is really predicated on the health of Damon Arnett and Jonathan Abram. So, uh, and they also drafted Tre- uh, Trevon Morig uh, in the second round of this year's draft. So mm. a high end draft talent there, but also injury uh, concerns remain. So to me, I guess the way I described this roster is just eh, meh. Like I-, I like all the other teams way more than I like the Raiders this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about teams like Denver and the chargers and then, 
you know, to my favorite Super Bowl contender, the Kansas City Chiefs. But Oakland, when you really look at it, and I know people might say, oh, well, Denver doesn't look that good. I got a feeling Denver is going to be kicking some people's asses this year. That is not going to be a fun team to play. So to me, Randy, as it stands right now, I know we're going to go through the schedule here and the not to. Yeah. If you want to allow me to share things, I'll pull it up right now. Yep. You have full ability to share to me. This screams a fourth place football team in this division. It's just, there's too much there that they're going to have to try to overcome. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. And I, like I said, the roster are, has major concerns for me. And um, I, I, I like Derek Carr, but I don't know if he's good enough to fill those holes that the, the Raiders already have. Uh, by the way, we've said Oakland one too many times here. So we're both just going to have to chuck like a $5 bill into the jar. Yeah. Uh, so the Vegas uh, Raiders here. And I want to thank the Las Vegas Review Journal for giving me a competent graphic schedule here that we can read clearly <laughs> that I understand. So I appreciate that. But um, the only way the, the Raiders path for success is sort of like the Browns path for success, except they don't have the pass catchers outside of Waller that the Browns do. The Browns are great at running the football um, and establishing time of possession with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The Raiders have to replicate that to have any chance. Um, I think time of possession will help their defense. I mean, this is what the Cowboys did a couple years ago with DeMarco Murray, and then they did it again with Ezekiel Elliott. Their defense was never that great, but they did hold time of possession and kept them fresh. That goes a long way. Um, that, to me, is like the one and only way the Raiders can be relevant, and I think Gruden sees that as well, and that's why they did sign Kenyon Drake to sort of have that one-two punch. Yeah. Um, you look at the schedule, Matt Bushnell, uh, I don't think it's that easy of a schedule. Um, and to me, just at the eyeball test, just kind of looking at it at face value, this feels like a seven and 10 range team to me. Yeah. You know, Randy, I, I might go a little lower than that because mm -hmm. I see, all right. So I, I see three games right off the bat that I identify as winnable games. All right. Mm -hmm. You have the Eagles, the Giants and the Bengals, and you have three of those games in a four game stretch. Obviously the bye week is week eight. The Washington football team is not going to be an easy team to play. I, I think you could chalk that up to a loss with just, you know, the change of this is what happens when you got a guy like Chase Young, you know, being able to play so many different alignments on the defensive front. But then you take a look at the Raiders retooled offensive line and it leaves a lot to be desired here. But um, I, I see the Ravens as a loss. I think sneakily they beat Pittsburgh. You know, I'm not a huge Pittsburgh fan. I, I, I think they're going to be down. I, I think the Dolphins are going to absolutely roll them because I still believe in that defense, even though I don't like Tua. And Tua on Saturday kind of reaffirmed my thoughts about them. Um, then the Chargers. How can you not like the Chargers? The, the Bears might be a winnable game. That, that's going to be an interesting one. In, in Vegas, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. I, I think that's a much more winnable game than compared to if, it's, if, than if it was in Chicago. Agreed. Yeah. So, so th this one's there. I, I think they can win that one. Both Bronco games will be a little iffy. I, I, I think they may have a puncher's chance, depending on if they're able to, you know, run the football successfully against the Denver front. That's probably not going to allow them to. Mm -hmm. But with all that said, I, I think they go 5-12. and 12. Okay. 
Um, you know, seven is probably overshooting it here. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, but I, I'll say six. I'll dock them one more win. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, they could split with the Broncos when one of the games at home, yeah. I don't think they're going to beat Denver, uh, on the road, but, um, same with the chargers. I could see the chargers losing in, in Vegas. So, um, I don't see them beating the chiefs either time, but I do think they could split with those other two teams, but, um, yeah, I mean, this, it's not the easiest schedule and I don't love their roster and, you know, Gruden has yet to show me that he can really, uh, create some stability yeah. and success uh, with the Raiders to this point. So um, I think we're both in agreement here. This is the fourth place team in the AFC West, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But right. I, I will say they do play the chiefs kind of tough. So th- th- those will be interesting games. I think. It's very much like Rex Ryan's jets going into <laughs> new England and playing them tough. <laughs> Just yeah. never being able to get over the hump, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't mean you're going to win, but you know, it'll be an entertaining game. Of course, of course. All right. Well, we're moving on now to the Denver Broncos and um, a team coming off of a, a, you know, not the best season ever, but a ton of injuries all over the place. Cortland Sutton got hurt, quarterback problems all year long. They even had a fourth string practice squad wide receiver play a game at quarterback last year. One of the crazier things I think we never even talk about is that that, that, that actually happened in a real game. Yeah. Um, but the the Broncos, uh, I do uh, think that they are poised for a bounce back season here, and they have a bit of a quarterback situation, Matt. And I think that's where I started. Yeah, the quarterback room for the Broncos is super interesting because they traded for Teddy Bridgewater before the draft, and they didn't even give up any like they didn't give up a ton to get him. And then they also have Drew Locke, who obviously has been the focal point of the injuries at the quarterback position. So on the projected starters list, it is Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, and I do like that because Teddy Bridgewater does not make a ton of mistakes. He's not going to turn the ball over a ton and the only downside is he's not going to make all these outstanding plays so if you're just looking for somebody who's going to keep you in it and not going to turn the ball over a ton then maybe teddy's good for this sort of team and they have a ton of talent around him to make that work so where are you stand? where do you stand matt on the teddy drew lock uh competition yeah hey boy so you have to evaluate the roster i think with teddy bridgewater this is not a super bowl caliber team it's just not teddy is a really good you know, he's, he's an average to slightly above average quarterback. He's going to make all the throws that you need him to make. He'll make a, a couple of throws that you didn't expect them to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to be careful with the football. He's not going to put it in too much danger. But at the end of the day, you know, is Teddy going to be able to be that guy that, to win a shootout? And I don't think he is. You know, I, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I think in, he should always have a role as a starting quarterback in this league just for one of the lesser teams. Now, when we talk about Drew Locke, and we have a lot of upside here for Drew Locke. You know, this is more peaks and valleys. Yep. You know, Locke, if, if he's the guy they think he is, he's going to be really high up there, you know, stratosphere type of quarterback because he can make a lot of throws. He can make every throw on the field. And then if when he's bad, we've seen bad Drew Locke. And those inconsistencies is what kills this Denver team. There's a reason they try to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's no secret. Yeah. So you're kind of stuck in the middle here. Like if, if you probably start Teddy Bridgewater, you're probably going to end up slightly above 500 with that defense. Mm-hmm. You know, probably like a 11 and six type of team, 10 and seven. I'm sure Broncos fans would sign up for that though. Absolutely. They, they would in a heartbeat. And if you start Drew Locke, you could go 12 and five, possibly. 
or you can go five and 12. Right. The chasm there is so big and we don't know how good Drew Locke really is or how consistent he can be. If I'm the Broncos here, I think they're pretty sold. And I, I, th I think the trying to acquire Aaron Rodgers told us everything that we need to know. They don't want Drew Locke as their quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think this time next year, Randy, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers under center for the Denver Broncos. Oh, I, mean, I would, I would like Denver a hell of a lot more if that was the case here. Yeah. Um, I, but regardless, regardless, Bushnell, because the Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater uh, competition is much better than the list of quarterbacks who started a game for the Broncos last year. Let yeah. me just, let me just go down the line. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, mm. Jeff Driscoll, and then something called Kendall Hinton, which is played quarterback for them in a game last year. Um, and then also Blake Bortles and Joe Flacco had brief stints on that roster as well. So, look, Teddy Bridgewater is probably like a great name to have on in the, yeah. in the locker room compared to all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to give them stability that they don't have. Yep. To me, I start Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I'm sorry I took so long to get to your question, but I'm starting Teddy Bridgewater because I want the stability. I want to start winning football games. I mean, you're familiar too, you know, with the coaching staff here. <laughs> um, Vic Fangio is it was the Bears defense coordinator. Obviously, you, you know a lot about Vic. He doesn't want his quarterback to make mistakes. He wants to keep them in the game as much as possible, and that's what Teddy's going to do. He's not going to be as flashy. He's not going to make as many great throws as Drew Lock. But as you said, the variant is much smaller. Variant, big word in this day's world. But uh, <laughs> the big the, the variant between the 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 ceiling of Drew Lock and the floor is much greater than the Teddy Bridgewater consistency that he gives you here. Um, I think. I think both of these guys will end up playing this year. I don't necessarily assume the health of either of them. So it wouldn't shock me if both of them end up playing a ton this year. But um, if given the health as a, as, a, as a certainty, I would go Teddy Bridgewater because you look at this roster and I love the talent around it, especially on offense, because you, you still have Melvin Gordon, who you signed in the offseason, who had a, you know, a decent year last year. But then you also drafted one of the best running backs in the draft. Um, the people, a guy every, uh, a lot of people love in the second round here. Let me just find his name. Um, Javante Williams, which many people from North Carolina say was one of the best runners in the draft. And many people think he's going to be the starter eventually here, which with Melvin Gordon's injury history would not shock me whatsoever. But then you have Cortland Sutton returning. Cortland Sutton is a number one receiver. He is an absolute stud who yeah. tore his ACL in preseason last year. Absolutely devastating for them. Jerry Judy, um, didn't have a ton of help around him last year, but route running is still there. I think he needs to fix his hands a little bit. I uh, didn't love the drops, but overall talent is there. Tim Patrick is one of the more underrated receivers in the league. And as you know, you had him in fantasy. He was one of your favorite guys to have. The guy put up numbers every week. Yeah. And then you add Noah Fant, a super talented tight end to the mix. The pass catchers are here. And that doesn't even include KJ Hamler, the, another first, uh, another receiver that they drafted a couple years ago. So the talent and the weapons are there for them. And I think the offensive line is not that bad. So offensively, Denver should be, you know, in the mix every game here. Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to switch to the defense side of the football because we're talking about some really big time players here. Kyle Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller. I mean, just to name a couple of the guys, I know up front, they're really good with their front three that played that three, four defense. But, you know, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertain, I mean, it is going to be an absolute nightmare trying to throw on the Denver Broncos. Also, Justin Simmons got paid in the offseason. He's one of the better safeties in the league. And Kareem Jackson is really good, too. And then Ronald Darby as a third corner is pretty good. Like, this has potential to be one of the best secondaries in the NFL, too. 
Yeah, and you pair that with a pass rush that's going to get there, and Vic Fangio always has a top-ranked defensive unit. I mean, Fangio is the guy when it comes to defense. So to me, the offense, all they have to do is get the 20. That's how I view this, Randy. Obviously, Kansas City is going to be kind of a different beast, and I think we both like the Chargers a lot, judging by our shirts. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> representing the 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 blue for the chargers but <laughs> i think when it comes to just how this team can operate if they can get steady play at the quarterback position and this is why i'm going bridgewater completely agree with you on the fangio front here this team's 11 and 11 and 6 i think with teddy mm-hmm. bridgewater with this defense they're good enough to get there yeah, and I'm going to pull up the schedule, but I do want to point it out on the coaching staff front because Vic Fangio, I think, did, did as good of a job as he could have with the situation he was dealt with this team. But on top of that, you know who their offensive coordinator, right, <laughs> is, Matt? Pat Shermer, right? Pat Shermer. And I think Pat Shermer got a raw deal on the Giants and got blamed for a lot of stuff that was more Eli Manning related than, than Pat Shermer related. Um, I am actually really excited to see what Pat Shermer does with this plethora of offensive options that he's going to have here, because um, I think he's a creative guy. I think his offense with the Vikings, when they had um, God, what was his name playing quarterback for them? I don't even remember, but he took what got him to an NFC championship game with a backup quarterback. Um he's done a great job as an offensive coordinator in these situations. And I think with a fully healthy arsenal, um, Pat Shermer is going to do a good job. And I, I think him paired with Vic Fangio, I'm really pretty into the, in on this Broncos yeah. team. Now. Um, you take a look at the schedule here and they get my, my New York football giants right off the bat. And I've been pretty adamant in our chats that we're in, in our group that I think the Broncos are going to come into MetLife stadium and beat the giants week one. I, I you know, I think they're going to beat them pretty handily. I, I just get that feeling because Daniel Jones with that offensive line, good luck to you. I, I don't see how they win that game. I, I, I think just taking a look at the schedule, Randy, I think come going into October 3rd, mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos are going to be three and oh, I think they beat these three teams, which is, I mean, you talk about just landing on the softest possible pillow for your first three weeks you get three of the worst teams to start off your season. Oh, the schedule makers. But- I will say these teams aren't just the same as they always have been. Uh, the Giants are going to give them a fight. Like they're going to win the game, but I do think the Giants will be competitive. The Jags. Yeah. They'll probably take care of business with the Jags. And then the Jets, I kind of have a feeling they'll be competitive as well with, with uh, Salah. So I don't know if those two games are quite the same gimmies, but nonetheless, I do think they go come out three, and zero in that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the coaching is going to make a difference. I still think Jacksonville is such a joke right now. And, you know, we can touch on Tim Tebow a little bit later, but yeah, I, I think there's a chance for them to definitely go three and zero. Baltimore. I'm not sure if I'm sold on them. It's one of the weirder teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They got rid of a bunch of guys that, you know, some guys would say they're B plus players. But, you know, you, you never know here. So, you know. But, and at home. Getting them at home is big. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a win. So we start looking at 4-0 and now. Then they get the Steelers. And I'm just shitting all over the Steelers, Randy. <laughs> I don't believe in this team. I think it's fraudulent as shit. Start Big Ben. Start Dwayne Haskins. I don't give a damn who they start. I think they lose this game. So I'm looking at 5-0 and right now. And then I think they roll the, Bron- or the Raiders at home. So this might be one of those sneaky teams that start six and zero, 
and then the wheels are going to start, you know, then that second half, the Washington football club or the, the Browns, the Washington football club, you know, the Cowboys will be an interesting matchup. If Dak is fully healthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're going to beat the brakes off the Eagles who might be one of the worst teams in football. And then you got the Chargers, which I think the Chargers are going to be really good. You got the Chiefs, Lions suck, Bengals. Damn it, right? I'm looking at the schedule. I may think this team's 12 and 5. Holy shit, this is an easy schedule. I'm telling you, they, they're going to be good. And I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. But if you listen to Football Life Presents the Audible, you're not going to be surprised because I agree with you, Matt. Although I do think they could lose the Ra- uh, the, the Ravens game. Yep. Six and no would not shock me, but I do think they lose in Cleveland. I do think they lose to Washington. Yep. Um, and then I think they could probably lose both games to the chiefs, but at, even at Arrowhead, I think that's a tough game or even at uh, mile high, that's still a tough game for Kansas city. So we're looking at a team who could easily be 12 and five and in a wild card spot, unless we look at the chief schedule and think they might not be as good, but I said, it. Uh, I, I think I've said it before, but this is going to be a team, a division that could have, three playoff teams and i think the broncos are going to be one of them i i agree i i think this is an 11 or 12 win team just as it is right now they are really good this is a really deep uh roster with a very soft schedule so mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm with you on this yep uh, i think we're, we're i mean i don't know i i'd say 11 and 6 12 and 5 is probably right for this team uh, I mean, if both quarterbacks get hurt and Von Miller is not the same after the whole COVID season that he had, um, we could be having a different conversation, but I just think they're too talented, have too good of a coaching staff for this to fail. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. All right. We're going to move on now in the division here to a team that I probably am too high on and uh, a quarterback that I am just, as my GM once said about another quarterback who plays for my team, full bloom love in with uh, Justin Herbert here. Um, This man, uh, to me, has a ceiling similar to Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not calling him Patrick Mahomes, but I think he uh, is so talented and can make every throw and make every play you could possibly ask a quarterback to make. Um, am I exaggerating when I talk about Justin Herbert, Matt Bushel? Oh, that's a good question. I think when we take a look at Justin Herbert, we took a we looked at a quarterback that one didn't have a lot of offseason workout with COVID. You know that was kind of strained. Um, no preseason games really to work with at all for him. And a quarterback that he only took over because of a botched shot, cortisone shot, Mm -hmm. that went into the quarterback's lungs. So with all that, and a head coach that was very hesitant to play him, even though the head coach was on the hot seat, Mm -hmm. and to still put in a season like what Justin Herbert did, to look at all the peripherals, I don't know how anybody could be low on him be lukewarm on him he was absolutely fantastic he had his struggles here and there but by all accounts justin herbert is a you know a baller he's a straight baller he will snatch the snow soul out of your body and i trashed him and and i had to eat a lot of crow because Mm -hmm. i thought he was a bum going into the pros which just goes to show you don't listen to anybody when they talk about quarterbacks coming out of the draft it's just, I mean, look, look no further than your uh, Justin Fields takes. <laughs> now you love the guy. So. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. I, I'm, I'm just going to use that word all year long. Um, it'd be nice if he was Justin Herbert. If Justin Fields turned mm-hmm. into Justin Herbert, I'd be on cloud nine and I'd be like, yeah, that was my guy all along, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, you know, the Chargers are a good football team in some regards. I'm I'm a little weary on their defense. I do like the fact that Bosa is going to be fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think well, don't, don't jump the gun. Yeah, let me finish my for okay. Herbert. Right, Herbert right, yeah. thoughts, yeah. I, I'm circling it back. Bringing it back. No, you're fine. I, I want to get to the rest of the roster in a second, but I just want to say, in his rookie year, like you said, no preparation, just getting thrown into the mix against the Chiefs, mind you, who took he took that game into overtime and almost won the game. Um, in his 2020 season, he has 66% completion percentage, 4,300 pass yards, 31 touchdowns, and 10 picks with a 98.3 quarterback rating. This guy was incredible last year and put in so many situations to fail with a bad coach <laughs> with a lot, not, not a ton of offensive weapons to work with. This guy did the damn thing. Austin Eckler hurt, Hunter Henry hurt, only Keenan Allen to throw to. This guy made play after play all the time, and I don't know how anyone else can't be in full bloom love with Justin Herbert at this point. Now, what scares me about Herbert, Matt, now I want to say, he has a new new coach, yep. new offensive coordinator. So an all-new system he has to learn and, and play under. But given the circumstances that he succeeded in in 2020, I have little doubt that he'll be able to learn and adapt and be successful still and get in this situation. And I love the coach a hell of a lot more, and I like the old regime. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people that don't know Brandon Staley, let me give you a brief crash course on it we're starting to see this Vic Fangio tree starting to form Mm -hmm. because Brandon Staley came from Vic Fangio system. He went to go work as a defensive coordinator for the Rams under Sean McVay. So he saw a little bit of an offensive, uh, maybe guru. I'm not sure. Genius. I, it'll be interesting to see what Sean McVay does this year with a real quarterback, Mm -hmm. but Brandon Staley is a good coach. He really, really is a good coach. He took Leonard Floyd, who was a piece of crap with the Bears, pretty much. He was a good player. I, I don't want to say piece of crap. They got him as a pass rusher. He was never able to materialize as an elite pass rusher. He had the physical traits, but it never worked out for whatever reason. And he got him on the Rams, and he was like, you know, I have Aaron Donald, who's drawing double and triple teams. Let me get Leonard Floyd some sacks. He was able to scheme that up along with Dante Fowler, I believe, who is still on that squad. And he had a, a lot of success. The Rams' defense was vastly better than the Rams' offense. Now you get that guy, and he's going to get Joey Bosa, who is a fantastic, fantastic edge rusher, defensive end. Um, so we take a look at that, and then we take a look at some of the players they have. I'm trying to think of the safety's name that they had that got hurt last year. Derwin James. Derwin James, thank you so much. He's gotten hurt every year of his career so far. It's it's frustrating if you're a Chargers fan. Yeah, because he's supposed to be pretty good. Now it comes into play. Can the coaching staff and can Justin Herbert lead this team? You got a tough matchup with the Broncos. You got a tough matchup with the Chiefs. But it, it's time to put up or shut up with this San, our Los Angeles Chargers team. I, I, I believe in Justin Herbert. I think if you have a solid rock steady quarterback going into a sophomore season, I expect him to take another step forward. And if he takes another step forward, what are we looking at? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that if he could move forward even more, that's why I think he could have a Pat Mahomes um, type of MVP like season almost like, I'm not saying he could be Pat Mahomes. Those are unrealistic expectations. No one can ha- live up to that. But we saw Mahomes uh, take off in his second year, which I know he didn't play in his first year, which obviously helped. But um, 
as guys like this get better, the sky is the limit for them to me. And that's why I posted in the group earlier this week about some of the season-long bets that I make. Justin Herbert is plus 2,000 to win NFL MVP. If he gets better and the Chargers are relevant all year long, why won't he be in the mix for that? I don't understand. Like, he has one real weapon in Keenan Allen, and he has Austin Eckler, who hasn't proved to be healthy as the number one running back ever. Um, and then you have uh, Jared Cook as your starting tight end. Like, I, Mike Williams is the wide receiver two. Josh Palmer is the wide receiver three. Like, there's not a ton of weapons here. So if Herbert repeats and does another performance and maybe even gets better here, this guy absolutely will be in the MVP conversation at the end of the year. Well, how many games did Herbert start? Like, what was it, 14? I thought it was 15. He only missed week one. Okay. So we're going to throw two more games on the schedule, right? So he threw for 4,300 yards. Let's say his improvement adds just 200 yards. So, so now we're looking at 4,500 yards. Yep. So you add two extra games onto that. So let's say he throws for 300 yards both games. He's a 5,100-yard passer at this point. Yeah. And, and let's say he gets to that 40-touchdown threshold. I mean, those are MVP numbers. That, that, that's what an MVP is going to look like. So I love that bet, 2,000 to one. <laughs> I mean, I'd lay down $200 myself. <laughs> I mean, it's worth throwing 20 bucks on it, right? I mean, what's the worst? I mean, this, I just, I'm, I, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but like people, I'm, I'm, I'm on Giants Twitter all the time and they love Daniel Jones. This man had twice as many touchdowns as Daniel Jones uh, in a four-month, in a month-long stretch last year. I mean, this guy, if Daniel Jones put up these numbers, the Giants fans would be calling him the next uh, <laughs> Tom Brady and John Elway combined, and it would be nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I the tools, the physical aspects, and the mind aspect—they all come together for Justin Herbert. You know, I, I think we could say that about a lot of teams. I mean, look who was drafted ahead of them. I mean, look at the Dolphins. Imagine if they drafted Justin Herbert. I mean, the Bengals are kind of in a weird spot here with Joe Burrow, and we talk about offensive line help, and they're absolutely atrocious at the offensive line position. And I think maybe that's something the Chargers don't get enough credit for, because I think their offensive line's a little better than what. You know, it's not very publicized, but it's a pretty, it looks like a pretty solid offensive line. Well, here's the thing. I think a lot of times it was so bad during the Philip Rivers era, all he was asking for was average. And if it's average, it'll be good enough for Justin Herbert because he has the mobility. Um, he has the ability to extend plays and and be quick and get rid of the ball quick. And they drafted Rashawn Slater in the first round as left tackle. It looks like he is the projected left tackle. So that's good for them. I mean, I know left tackles don't always come in and have success right away, but he's going to have to be good for, for that pick to be worth it and for, for Herbert to be protected all year. Uh, they bring in Brian Bulaga, the old longtime uh, Packers tackle, who's going to play right tackle for them. I mean, nonetheless, it's a veteran presence. Corey Lindsley at center is pretty good, and the guards, uh, not great. But, I mean, it's better than it has been. You know, their offensive line wasn't very good last year, so it's definitely an improved unit from 2020. Yeah, I loved Rashawn Slater coming out of the draft. I mean, if people know me, when we did our mock draft, I had the Bears trading up to 11 with the Giants for Rashawn Slater for a much better package than what they actually traded to get Justin Fields. So to, to me, I think Rashawn Slater is a home run pick for what the Chargers are going to do. I, I, I love everything about this setup offensively. I think Keenan Allen's a star at wide receiver, really underrated. Um, he basically called people out like, hey, I'm top five here, baby. I, I, I'm you the best. Rec- yeah. So, I mean, he, he put up, though. He put up the numbers. He continues. We, we to- shit on him for it, but he did the, he did the thing. Yeah. I mean, n- not many people could go and walk, talk that 
talk that game and just go out and do it. So I tip my cap to Keenan Allen. I think, I think the offense is going to be good. And when we start looking at the defensive side of the ball, Randy, they're going to be schematically sound. I don't know how good they're going to be at the back end. Yeah, and that's kind of where I put in the rundown here. This team lacks depth all over the place here. Um, and when their starters already are guys that are backups on other teams, it makes me concerned about the uh, unit as a whole. I mean, they have good players, individuals. Uh, you know, Linval Joseph and Justin Jones are good in the middle. And then Joey Bosa, obviously, is a great edge rusher. Um, but then who's going to help Joey Bosa rush the passer at that point? All the attention uh, on the other teams on offense is going to go to wherever number 97 is. Or I don't know if he's 99 now. But regardless, Wherever Bosa's is, he's going to get double teamed. He might even get a chip from the tight end. Like they're going to focus on him always because there's not anyone else to ease that blow. They need Kenneth Murray, the old Oklahoma linebacker that they drafted high in the draft a couple of years ago to develop into a middle linebacker that they drafted. So um, they need that. Chris Harris Jr. Obviously he's established as a corner. He's really good. He keeps defeating father time somehow because he's not that young anymore, but he's still really good. Asante Samuel Jr. is going to come right in and have a role on this team. So we'll see if his moxie and his lineage goes a long way and comes in and he makes an impact. And then, like you said, Derwin James, the health of him, probably the most important thing here. If he's healthy, it elevates the defense even more and like like you said earlier too Brandon Staley is going to implement a similar defense he had with the Rams I just worry excuse me he doesn't have the same high-end talent that he had with the Rams so um, I think this team lacks depth in key areas especially in the on the defensive line and in the secondary um, but I'm interested to see if the new defensive-minded coach can come in and, and kind of make it work yeah, I, I think Staley's going to be really good for this team defensively. He'll be able to scheme some things up to help give them some advantages. But going from being able to have Khalil Mack to Von Miller to Aaron Donald, and Joey Bosa is good. I mean, he, he's, he's a good player. He's right up there with all those guys that we just talked about. But he's not uh, – he doesn't have the help that those guys had, you know, he doesn't have a Bradley Chubb. He doesn't have guys like Dante Fowler and, you know, even Leonard Floyd last year. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, they usually also have another pass rusher to go with Joe Bosa and he's gone now he's in Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they just don't have the same depth that they usually have. And I think that's going to be a big problem for them going forward. But um, as I keep saying, I love the quarterback so much that I, I think they can overcome it. And if they can have some luck here with Derwin James, um, him and Bosa could maybe replicate Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey a little bit here. I'm not saying they're as good as those guys, but it could be like a LA light version of it. Um, they're still both high end guys at their positions and we'll see how that goes, but I don't trust either of them to stay healthy because they haven't been able to. So the season's going to come down to number 10 and uh, Justin Herbert's beautiful curls coming out of that helmet, just carrying the chargers <laughs> all season long here. Um, but they have a tough matchup right off the bat going to land over Maryland to play the Washington football team team so um we'll see how that goes yeah to, to me i take a look at the schedule and it's just i mean it's a meat grinder to start it, it really is this is the exact opposite of what the broncos get to start off the year i mean washington i think is going to be a tough team i think dallas is a tough team i know a lot of people may not think dallas is going to be that good but I, I like dallas i think they're going to be able to really stretch that back end of that defense to make it uncomfortable take the offense over. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you get the Chiefs in week three. So it gets from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, conceivably, this team, ideally, I would say if you could start off, you know, two and two, 
you know, I, you, you did excellent. That, that's, you know, gold stars. I, th- I think you're a playoff team. You start one and three, eh, you know, it's going to be a little tough to explain there. It's going to, you know, you're going to have to try to piece this thing together. And, and then you go into that next series with the Browns and the Ravens. Eh, Patriots, I, I don't know. You know, they, they'll be feisty. They're well coached, well put together. The Eagles will be an interesting matchup. They should really handle them pretty easily. So, really, you take a look at those first eight games, and you have to wonder: is like, is this an, is this team four and four, five and three? Is that the best case scenario for this team? Yeah, it's a tough schedule, and they have to go to a lot of tougher teams. I would say, um, going to Washington's a tough break there. Going to Cleveland, going to KC, obviously they have to do that. Going to Baltimore, even I think you know, I think Baltimore at home, every team at home is usually better, but Baltimore is typically a tough place to play. So when you have a West Coast team going to the East Coast, I never love that uh, situation. Anyway, even going to Philly, um, I think that could be a, a bit of a problem for the Chargers. I don't think they're a team I'm going to trust on the road a ton, so I'm going to be banking on them to win a lot of their home games. So um, I think they get a nice stretch in week 13 and 14, the, the Bengals and Giants. I think they have to take advantage of that. And then they get the Texans in week 16. So um, they need to kind of take advantage of the, this, this last stretch of games to maybe make a playoff push there. Yeah. Because um, that Broncos game is going to be tough. Uh, the Chiefs game is going to be tough, obviously. But they got to win the Raiders game as well and finish off three of five. Because looking at this overall, it's a tough schedule. So I would say 10 and seven is probably the range for them. And it might be good enough to snag that last wild card spot right behind Denver. Yeah, I, t- I take a look at the Raiders on week 18. I think that I think they can win that one. The, the Broncos week 17, ideally, that would be the game to get, you know, so you conceivably you could finish off this stretch at five and one. Yeah. I, I, th- this team could finish strong. It could be one of those teams where like, oh, are they left for dead? You know, you're picking at the carcass. But really, you get the Vi- – right, you know, the last race, you get the Eagles, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Giants, the Chiefs, the – Texans, the Broncos again, and then the Raiders. There's only one game out of that stretch that I would say is not a winnable football game, and that's the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Every other one of these games, they could conceivably win. And to go, what would it be? One, two, three, four. You know, you finish off nine and one. Yeah. That that's a hell of a stretch there. You know, mm-hmm. if you can pull that off, and I think they're capable. I think. Denver will start off extremely hot and cool down as the mm-hmm. schedule moves on further. I think the Chargers are going to start off kind of sluggish. We're going to be questioning them. And then I see them going on a run with an MVP type season from Justin Herbert. So Randy, my official prediction for these San oh. Los Angeles, oh. I caught it. It's like a check swing. <laughs> we have to go to review. Uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. He stopped. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I, I say this is an 11 and six football team. I'll go 11 and six. And then they, you think they end up with that last wild card spot? I do. Yeah. Okay. So we, we think three playoff teams uh, from this AFC West. And I, I, I do think it's the Broncos and Chargers. And that if you're a team, uh, you know, they say the, the Browns, you're going to end up getting one of these teams in the first round. You're going to be like, what the hell? These are teams are really good. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a tough matchup for any of those teams. I think that Denver especially is going to be tough, but um, we'll see that I, I, the Chargers, I worry about their depth, but overall I love the quarterback and I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the coaching staff. All right. 
Now time for the main event of our <laughs> divisional preview series. We are ending with the team who did not win the Super Bowl last year, but has represented the AFC in the Super Bowl for the last two seasons. They have the best player in the sport. His name is Patrick Mahomes. They have the best coach in the sport, in my opinion, Andy Reid. I mean, you could argue Bill Belichick, but Andy Reid, as of late, has adopted to the new game, I think, a little bit better. So uh, I think Andy Reid is a big reason why Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the sport. We have these conversations about the Chiefs. But hey, now it's time for the Chiefs to run it back and represent the AFC in the, for the, in the Super Bowl for a third time. Yeah. Um, what can I say about the Chiefs? I predicted them to go 16 and 0 last year. Yeah, you did. did. Did they go 15 and 1 or 14? I think they went 14 and 2. Um, yes. Yeah, 14 and 2. So, I, you know what? I'm not cold on the Chiefs. I'm not backing off my Chiefs here. Um, as a Bears fan, I've kind of adopted the Chiefs. They're a fun little team to have as your second team. In Arizona, I get to watch quite a bit of Chiefs football, which is always entertaining. Um, to me, you know, what's really changed? Their offensive line is a hell of a lot better. Yes. It, is, it is a really, really good offensive line. And with that being said, their defense, you know, the secondary – I feel like the Bucs were able to expose the secondary in the Super Bowl to a way a lot of teams weren't able to, you know, they really let them get grabby, you know, and they really were able to throw the flags. Now we can question some of the refs, you know, I, I, th I think you should call it all year. If you're going to call it, you don't wait till the Super Bowl to start calling it. I think that's a little tacky, but you know what? You get caught, you get caught. You got to live with the consequences for that. And if you decide to keep on doing it, well, you deserve to keep on getting penalized for it. I think this team's back. I, I think all the work they did with their offensive line is a sign of them to me that, that, that they're back. They lose Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. They obviously lost those two guys before the Super Bowl, and it showed. Um, but to combat that, they trade with the Ravens for Orlando Brown Jr. He's solidified as their left tackle. And they give Joe Tooney, the, the free agent guard from the New England Patriots, a bunch of money. Um, they convinced uh, a Long brother, I believe, to come out of retirement, right? Kevin Long, Kyle. yes. Kyle Long. Uh, Kyle Long, yes, not Kevin Long. What am I talking about? Uh, Kyle Long to come out of retirement. Uh, and then they have LeFrent Duvernay Tardif, who opted out last year for COVID release yeah. reasons. So he'll be back at guard too. And then Mike Remmers is also in the mix uh, for a depth piece at right tackle. Could be a swing, uh, swing tackle as well. So the, they retooled the offensive line. I don't know if it's even a top 10 unit, but it is still much improved compared to what they had in the Super Bowl. And it really all you need is to get Patrick Mahomes sometime so he's not running through that for his life and throwing Superman throws on the sideline every play. Yeah, I actually I think this offensive line's top five, in, wow. in my opinion. I, I think it's really good. Orlando Brown is a stud, stud at left tackle. He's a mammoth human being, which drastically improves it. Kyle Long's another just humongous human being. Like people forget Kyle Long was an all pro guard for the bears. And I know he retired because of the injuries kept on piling up, but if he's healthy, it just makes this offensive line that much better. And Joe, I just Tooney, don't know what you can expect from him. That I just don't know if I even would consider him an asset yet. I, I, I think it's house money. I, I really do. But I, I think you're deep enough with Joe Tooney. And then I'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy that's coming back from COVID. LDT. I'm going to call him LDT. L LDT. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that he, you know, he can nab another one. If Kyle Long beats him, Kyle Long beats him. And, you know, you got a really good guard in that situation. To me, it just goes back to too much speed. You lose Sammy Watkins, who was wildly inconsistent. Didn't love him all that much. Now you kind of see, all right. Nicole Hardman, you know, it, it's your time. 
you know, it's time to show up and be that elite wide receiver to pair with Tyree Kill, um, Marcus Robinson. You know, it's time for him to step up and really take that next step into being an elite wide receiver. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, really good back. I don't know who their backup is. It's it should be uh, Jamal Williams still. Jamal Williams, he's a good back. They lost, they lost the other uh, Damian Williams to the Bears. Yep. Oh, Damian. Damian. <laughs> Bailed down. Um, but with all that being said, I, you know, defensively the secondary is kind of shaky, but the defensive front seven still good. That front seven can still get after it. To me, this is the best team in football. Hmm. More than the more than the Bucks. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, I, I'm obviously. Um, Sammy Watkins had a nice run when they won the Super Bowl, but overall very inconsistent. So I'm interested to see how the combination of Mikael Hardman and Demarcus Robinson come in and and fill that third wide receiver role behind the second wide receiver role really behind Tyreek Hill. I don't necessarily know if it matters who's in that spot. I think as long as you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that person is kind of able to run freely and make plays, um, you know, accordingly. But uh, I do think the Chiefs wanted to even have a more consistent number two option because they did go heavily after Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in the offseason who decided to re-sign with Pittsburgh. So I think they might even think that they have a weakness there. But I do like Mikael Hardman and Demarcus Robinson enough to for it to last. I don't know if you saw Matt Bushel, but the big story at Chiefs camp this week surrounded Travis Kelsey. Controversy of all controversies. The man shaved his beard. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Um, Travis Kelsey is a good-looking man. Oh, but very without, handsome. Without the beard, not as good-looking of a man. Just started out there. I think for as a, as a man with a beard, I can speak for all men with beards. We're better looking with them. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe maybe don't shave them all. I, I mean, the, I, there's some guys that can obviously go in life without a beard. I mean, we hate them. We don't like them. We prefer not to even talk about them. Yeah. But really... You know, with the beard is a man thing. You know, you got some hair on your chest. You, you, you might be able to go out in the woods and survive a couple of months without any uh, of today's society's benefits. And you know what? You might be able to physically kill a man. So the, the beard game brings a lot of intimidation, a lot of strength, um, some bravado, if you will. So Travis Kelsey, I'm a little disappointed. I, I have to say I'm... I'm disappointed in this one. You're just saying I had some ladies in my life who found Travis Kelsey pretty, uh, pretty attractive who were pretty disappointed. Anyway, let's get back to talking about the serious chiefs matters here. Um, so I guess the other concern with the chiefs is the defense and Frank Clark remains in legal issues. I believe, I don't know if it's going to affect his status for the uh, regular season. Um, this happened a few months ago. Um, but he got arrested, I believe, for a DWI in possession of some things that he should not have had a possession of. Um, but I, I honestly, I got to look it up while you speak on the on the defense map. But Frank Clark's uh, situation still up in the air. Chris Jones obviously established one of the best at his position in the league. Taco Charlton comes back, and he's you know he he's good fit for the Chiefs. I think you know he's the kind of a guy who needs this sort of uh, culture and environment to to, to be successful. 
And then you lose me in the linebacking core. I don't think they have very many good linebackers at all. You're looking at Anthony Hitchens and Nick Bolton to start. Um, all right. And then the secondary is good, but it's only as good as Tyron Matthew is, in my opinion. So uh, as long as they have the Honey Badger making plays back there, he elevates the play of the Legereus Needs and the Chevarius Wards of the world. So, um, Matt, overall, what do you make of this defense? I will have you know, sir, I am a huge Anthony Hitchens fan. I think Anthony Hitchens is a fantastic player. I, I think he does a lot of things that um, really, I, I, you know, what you need from a middle linebacker. Um, to me, the defense is just so many question marks because I think it starts with their secondary. I, I don't feel good about it. Tyrone Matthew is obviously, you know, Honey Badger speaks for itself. He's, he's an amazing football player. But you start taking a look at some other pieces. I love Chris Jones. Um, but but really, it's like, okay, what are we counting on here? You know, I, I think, you know, they lost um, – God, what's that corner? I forget the corner's name. The grabby one. Oh, God. Marcus Peters. They yeah. lost him, but he was – they were talking about someone else, I believe. Um but they obviously, I mean, it should be noted, they brought in former first-round pick for the Giants, DeAndre Baker, as well. And apparently he's looked good in practice. So, yeah, he could end up having a role for them as well. Yeah, and I like Daniel Sorensen. But still, this defense is predicated on having a lead. I think we saw how exposed they really got when Tampa just started smoking them. And, you know, Tampa was able to run the football. And it really created a lot of problems for them. If this team gets a lead, they're going to smother you with that pass rush. You know, they're able to bring the heat. I do think that they do have to get better. Frank Clark is a concern. Hopefully his legal problems are, yeah, that's. Um, so I pulled that up, by the way. He was arrested on a gun charge in June, um, but he was at practice uh, today. And uh, as of eight hours ago, he left practice with a hamstring injury. So maybe we have a different <laughs> issue on our hands with Frank Clark. So uh, we'll see what the deal is with number 55. But he's a pretty important uh, part of this defense, I would say. So for Chiefs' uh, sake, I, you know, hopefully he can be on the field for them. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I, I think the Chiefs will be fine. I am not worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. I could tell uh, you called them the best team of football. I think that the roster is not, not the best roster in football by any means, but um, overall I agree. I, the offense should be special. I mean, I, I don't have any concerns um, about the offense. I'm going to pull up their schedule now. Like you said, it's a, it's a team that is predicated to having a lead. And I, I worry about these teams and you saw it in the Super Bowl. If you don't have a lead, you can see what could happen to a team like this. And uh, that worries me a little bit, but I do trust the offense to consistently have a lead uh, often. So um, you look at the schedule, I think they have a tough one right off the bat with Cleveland, but they have them at home. So uh, I think they could take care of business there. But overall, um, there's some tough games here. But I, I, I think so. a lot of their tough games, thankfully for them, are at home. I, I think Cleveland getting them at home, uh, getting Buffalo at home, getting Green Bay at home. Like those are all breaks that I've seen, that like all the great teams seem to get every year. So I feel like the Patriots had this every year, too. Every time the Steelers were good, they had to go to New England. Uh, the Chiefs have to go to New England, like no matter what, every team. Indianapolis. Had to go to New England. Like I, I feel like that always happened when you're when you're in this contending window. Yeah, to, to me, I, I you know I, I looked at the schedule beforehand of the Chiefs because I just I really like the Chiefs. So to me, this is a 15 and two football team. I, I'm not going to go 17 and 0. I wanted to, Randy. I really did, but 
you know, w- when you go 15 and 0, I think you're going to lay off the gas and, you know, let Cincy and Denver get some wins, make them feel good about themselves. Oh, you're saying these are just the mail-in wins at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, 15 and 2, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that's amazing. You just straight up 15 and 0 and they're not going to go for it. Huh? That's, that, that's interesting. This team has Super Bowl aspirations. 17 and 0 is too hard, man. It, you know, this team looked tired last year in the Super Bowl. It really looked like they were limping towards the finish line. I think they got that little chip on their shoulder back, come back a little invigorated, reinvigorated, ready to go. 15 and 0, beating the crap out of all the good teams, sending Buffalo and Henry Maldonado's Josh Allen a message. Yeah, and Washington, Tennessee. God help the New York football giants on Monday night football on November 1st, my friend. That's going to be a 60 spot. That's going to be a Mike Glennon game too, probably. So that's going to be awful. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cause you know, Daniel Jones is going to be missing a body limb at that point. (laughs) All right. Well, looking at the schedule, I always try to just do losable games. And I mean, could Buffalo go into Kansas city and win? I mean, on paper, sure. But in the AFC championship game, they boat raced them. I mean, that game wasn't that close. So if the bills took a step forward and could, you know, maybe they have a chance, but I think, you know, the bills uh, really struggled with the chiefs in Arrowhead last, last playoff. So I don't really see that happening. I think the following week is the game to watch at land over Maryland, the Washington football team with that defense, uh, I think they're going to come to play and give them everything they got, obviously. And just, I mean, that could be the first loss we're looking at. Maybe one of the only losses for the Chiefs this year is that game. Uh, and then at Tennessee, I think they handle Tennessee pretty easily. We talked about their flaws. Uh, obviously, Rodgers always has a chance to win the game. I, I think that is a losable game just because Aaron Rodgers is playing football for that team. Uh, and then the other most losable game to me is at Denver. And obviously, it's week, week 18. So if they're already clinched a playoff berth, they could sit all their starters. But in a competitive scenario, even mile high is a different very difficult place to play and uh, I, I could see Denver uh, beating the Chiefs there as well so uh, if I if I just assume they lose all of those losable games they're still at 13 and 4 at worst and I don't even think they lose all those games so I'm thinking probably 14 and 3 is the re- most realistic outcome for them and, and um, you know unless their defense is a lot worse than I think and they take a step back on the offensive line I don't see any way that they're worse than that. Yeah, and uh, I like to talk about that Washington game because I do think that Washington game is a little bit interesting because we're, we're predicating on that Washington defense to be all level again, but we are forgetting that Ryan Fitz turnover is playing quarterback for that Washington football club. I, I don't see them scoring enough points. I think the teams with the good enough defenses, can they score enough points? And then the teams with the good enough offenses, can they stop the Chiefs? And I just don't think there's and I just don't believe there's a combination out there outside of the Buccaneers that can do that to the Chiefs. Yeah. Could the Chiefs lose a game? Absolutely. I mean, everyone loses a game in the NFL. I mean, I let's think the be Rams serious. Maybe, but I understand the Rams offense questions. So yeah, and I think those questions still remain. I mean, conceivably, you know, they may not lose to Cincinnati Endeavor at the end of the year. I still think they go 15 and two. And I agree with you. You look at landmarks. That Buffalo game's gonna be one. Um, where we have to keep an eye on. I, I think there's going to be a little chip on their shoulder, um, kind of like the Patriots had in 2007 when they were accused of cheating. I, I think the Chiefs want to make a statement. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Cleveland's going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening. The Chiefs will probably come out ready to play. Um, you know, I, I think the Chargers, I, I'll say this. 
I'm willing to go on a limb here and say that all of the Chiefs' two losses will come within the division. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. And, the, like, here's – I agree about the chip on the shoulder thing because when you start to get doubted when you're the best, you, you find any way to get motivation. Obviously, we watched the last dance with Michael Jordan. He made <laughs> up stories to get himself motivated. Uh, Tom Brady somehow finds a way to continue to be motivated. He still uses the fact that he's a six-round pick to be motivated. All right, we get it, bro. You got seven titles, enough. But still, uh, these guys do this, and I can see the Chiefs coming out here and go, okay – all right, yeah, we got shellacked in the Super Bowl, but we're back now. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna make our presence known as the top dogs here, especially in this conference. Because I love Cleveland this year, and I think also Cleveland loves Cleveland a little too much this year. So they're gonna come in confident about the season coming up, and the Chiefs are gonna go, yeah, well, remember us? We're still the cream of the crop here, and we're gonna take care of business. So I agree that I think that, that Week One game is so intriguing on paper, but I have a feeling the Chiefs just end up boat racing them, and that that makes me sad for Cleveland. I do think Cleveland still has a good season; they win the division, but. That that week one matchup is going to leave a bitter taste in their mouth. Yeah. And Leon's mentioning Tennessee and Dallas as possible pitfalls here. And here's my issue, Leon, with Tennessee and Dallas. They have two of the worst defenses in the NFL mm-hmm. going against the team with so much firepower, they could put up 30 points in a coma. I, it's just, it's a terrible matchup for Tennessee and Dallas. Like, Kansas City may have an average defense. Let's just call it average. Average to below average. Not quite bad because they still got a lot of, you know, they got some playmakers at three levels. Tyron Matthew, um, Anthony Hitchens, who Randy just shitted on. I didn't. I just questioned his ability to play linebacker, that's all. Okay. And then Chris Jones up front. To me, that makes you an average defense. Dallas is not an average defense. Dallas is god awful. They couldn't stop a nosebleed with a tissue. And then you take a look at Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is like trying to put bubble gum to patch a dam. Um, It's just, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And I I think think both of those teams will score successfully on the Chiefs, but I don't think they can keep up with their offense. That's the point. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what's going on here. Both of those games. You know, I'll go on a limb and I will say against Tennessee and against Dallas, the Chiefs will have a cop, you know, they'll come, you add those two scores together for the Chiefs, it's going to be over 100 points. Wow. These are the things you got to stay and watch the show for. Matt Bushnell makes these predictions. That is a, that's a lot of points. So, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to be that surprised with Pat Mahomes. He's done an amazing thing so far in his career. And I think he's still in this prime. He's going to be for a long time. So um, wouldn't totally shock me, but that's, that's hard to do in the NFL. So it's hard to do if you're playing NFL defenses, Dallas and Tennessee are fielding college defenses. Yeah, I mean, Dallas at least has Demarcus Lawrence and a couple good linebackers. I don't know what Tennessee has, really. (laughs) Bud Dupree coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, we'll we'll see. All right, um, so we agree. They're going to win the the AFC West, and they're going to be in the 13 to 15 win range, I would say. We both agree on that. Um, And, you know, I I think it'll come down to one of these three teams in this division for the AFC, but ultimately it's hard not to go against the Chiefs at this point. Yeah, uh, to, to me, Patrick Mahomes is, is the X factor here. If he comes back hungry, they feel disrespected. It could be a long year for quite a bit of those AFC teams. 
Yes, sir. Um, well, Matt, that 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 brings our division, our 2021 divisional preview to a close. We did it, my man. It took us longer than we probably thought, and uh, that's okay. I mean, life happens, and things happen in life. That's okay. But we did it. We were men of our words, and we knocked it out. We predicted all 32 teams, all 18, all 17 weeks for each, all 17 games for each team, I should say, um, and we knocked it out. Um, before we go, we never did this off the top, Matt, but this is episode 68. You got a number 68 for me? Because our friend Corey Richmond in the comments said, Kevin, why? That's a damn good pull. That is a hard one. <laughs> Just like, like, where do you go from the Hall of Famer? Like, Kevin Mawai <laughs> was so good. Um, so I'm just going to go James Daniels for the current Bears. Yeah, he's a solid offensive lineman. Look, I like to see him progress and really string together in, you know, successful seasons with the Bears here. That'd be nice to see. Yeah, I think of a couple uh, active guys, Justin Britt of the Seahawks, uh, Andrew Norwell, who um, signed a big deal with the Jags uh, a couple years ago. And there's another one that I had. Oh, uh, Bobby Hart used to be the tackle for the Giants, who once said he was the best tackle in the sport, who's now with the Bengals. And every Bengals highlight, he's getting beat. So uh, I always think of that guy. But also, I think of baseball, because one of Henry's favorite recent Yankees is Dellen Batances, a setup man for a long time. And he was really good for a long time and ended up injuries kind of um, taking out his career. But um, yeah, Dellen Batances always wore 68. It was a cool number on the back of his jersey. Hey, he went to the Mets where pitchers go to get injured. Yeah. Well, speaking of baseball, Matt Bushnell, we have a bet. Uh, and since the last time we spoke, I think our feelings on this bet have changed quite a bit. Um, I think the last show we did together was probably July 16th or whatever it was yeah. about a month ago. I mean, we, I've had events on, I've had, um, Henry and, and, and Corey on, and we've taken a week off. Um, and then we had the uh, unexpected week off last week. So, uh, a lot has changed since the Yankees added a couple lefty Italian men who are pretty good <laughs> at baseball, who uh, who have uh, boosted the spirits uh, in the Bronx. Um, and the Yankees have had the best record in baseball since July 6th, including um, a nice series win against your Chicago White Sox over the weekend and a hell of a game in the Field of Dreams game, which uh, I think, you know, was a massive success for baseball and the two teams. So, Matt, um, you're one in five against the New York Yankees this year, your Chicago White Sox. You clearly have the better record. You're the, clearly the team who's going to make the playoffs here. It's not as certain the Yankees even do that. Where do you stand now on the bet on this August 17th? You still confident? Yeah, I think to me, if we see the Yankees again, I think it's going to be in the ALCS. You know, I think it's going to be incumbent that the White Sox avoid them in the playoffs, hopefully at all costs. I don't want to see the Yankees. Obviously, we talked about it in our own little private chat that we have that, you know, I think when you take a look at the White Sox, they're 500 or better against a lot of the premier teams. Mm -hmm. uh, this is their first taste of Oakland and they were able to beat Oakland last night. They're two and one versus Toronto, two and one versus Tampa, two and two versus Boston. Um, to me, the Yankees are such a bad matchup for the White Sox. And I don't want to say that the Yankees are not a good team. They're not a bad team. Whatever. I don't care. I don't pay attention to the Yankees. I just know when I look at the White Sox versus the Yankees, it's a bad fucking matchup for the White Sox. <laughs> and I don't want to see the Yankees in the playoffs. And I know some White Sox fans may come after me for that. But nope. Nope. I, I, I want to avoid the Yankees at all costs. They beat our ass this year. And it is a terrible matchup. 
Yeah, I don't think the audience understands what a playoff series between the Yankees and White Sox would do to this show, especially in the middle of football season. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it would it would go off the rails because it's not like the Giants playing the Bears because like you and I are pretty uh, pessimistic about both of those teams for the most part. So I'll pick apart the Giants. I don't wear my heart on my sleeve with this current Giants uh, era. Um, I would love to go back to loving the Giants unconditionally, but I need some things to change before I do that. <laughs> the Yankees are my first love who I live and die on every week so i mean this is different i will be very much in tune brooding like crazy until the final out so um if you and i are going at it with our bet on the line mind you i think this show would go off the rails pretty often yeah um for me it's really anyone but the yankees and the problem is when it comes to the yankees i got to deal with you and we (laughs) do a show every week and if they play on a tuesday the shit show of a show that we are going to have. Yeah. I, you know, it'll happen too. It'll be, it'll be Rodon versus Cole too. And it'll be like oh. the best matchup possible. And it'll just be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I do want to say congrats to the Yankees. I think um, when they get healthy, it's going to be a very scary team. I still think your manager, while he's getting better, mm-hmm. it's like he's learning how to paint by numbers now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the Yankees are a good baseball team. And they get fully healthy. They will, they could very well fulfill the what what everyone thought of them going into the World Series representing the AL. That 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 potential is very real. Yeah, Boone is very much like a, a streaky player to me. He has good he has good streaks and bad streaks, and the, he's currently in the middle of a good one um, where everything seems to be working for him right now. And the bullpen's gassed, and uh, you saw that uh, in your series. The bullpen almost blew every single game, and they did blow the Field of Dreams game. Um, but you know what? That it's part of the long season in August. You see these bullpens end up getting overused, and this happens. So. Um, I'm a lot more optimistic about the Yankees. They're 15 games over 500 for the first time this year. They've come back from being a team that everyone wanted to sell at the deadline. So they deserve a ton of credit for that. I think Yankee fans overall are pretty dramatic, pretty spoiled. Uh, (laughs) So I didn't try to complain a ton because I'm like, look, this this team's never even had a losing season in my lifetime. So how can I really complain about the Yankees? And sure enough, they did what they always do and and make moves and remain relevant and in the race. So um, Yankees are currently up 2-0 over Boston in the doubleheader. They won earlier today. Uh, they have home runs from Luke Voigt and Giancarlo Stanton. So if they sweep the doubleheader today against Boston and the White Sox beat the A's tonight, the Yankees are in possession of that second wildcard spot. So, Yeah, as long as the White Sox stay at the number two or three seed, I am good to go. And I will be rooting for your White Sox the next nine games. And if you're not, if it's not the Yankees, I will be rooting for the White Sox in the American League because I hate the Astros, I hate the Rays, and I hate the Red Sox. So go White Sox. Yeah, go White Sox. And, and <laughs> yeah, likewise, I, I like the Yankees. I do like the team. I, there's a lot of guys on there that are likable, mainly Anthony Rizzo. I think I hate Cubs players generally, but <laughs> Anthony Rizzo is such a likable guy. Good dude. I, I hope he gets one. Yeah, I mean, we need him back off the COVID list. So the Yankee variant is spreading, but the guys are coming back now. So um, thankfully, you know, we're hopefully we're past that. So, Brandon, all right, Matt, we've talked a lot of baseball at the end of the show here. Quick, hold on. Yeah. We did all the divisions. I know yep. I wasn't on for every show. Yep. We didn't predict a Super Bowl. Okay. What two teams are going to... to... What's okay. that? We can do that now. I was thinking maybe we did that right before the season started. But if you want okay. to do that now, we can. All right, well, no, fans, you know, th- that's kind of a tease in the yes. radio business. Yes. So stay so, tuned for the Super Bowl. I want to do that before the kickoff game, before the Bucks and Cowboys play. 
I want to do that, that, that uh, Super Bowl prediction. So um, we have all of our division uh, predictions, all the division winners. We predicted some wild card appearances. So we have the, the field is set. I have a feeling I know where you're going in the AFC. And I guess the NFC is the one that's a little bit more unpredictable. So <laughs> and we have a lot more to talk about too, because if you're watching us now and maybe you're watching your baseball team or whatever, we have hard knocks week two tonight yeah. on HBO Dallas Cowboys, a uh, big situation with Dak. We're going to touch on all these storylines next week. Cause we have a big catch up episode we got to do next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. So Matt, before we say goodbye to the audience, do you have any parting words? Be sure to catch our litany of shows mm-hmm. throughout the week. Um, I'm so confused. I don't know if Dong City's going this week or not. I, I, so I would say Dong City is going tomorrow at, was it 8 Eastern? Are they going eight, at 8 Eastern now? 7, 8. I, I'm not sure on their schedule, to be honest with you. Yeah, 7 or 8 Eastern, five, four or 5 Pacific Standard Time, uh, 6 or 7 Central Standard Time. And then Thursday, the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast and Wrestling Life. Be sure to catch Corey Richman and Jason Brooks. Uh, SummerSlam this weekend. Check them um, out. Is it? It's on Saturday, isn't it? Saturday, yep. Oh, that's so weird. You should go. Mm, no, I'll pass. Uh, <laughs> and then on Friday, um, I'm not sure what's going on Friday, but I think they're coming after us. Actually, I think yeah, that's tonight. Yeah, the ball, the basketball life podcast, the step back, step back with Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses will be following us tonight. What a privilege to lead into their show. I, I'm, uh, pressure's on. Pressure's on. Yeah, I, I hope we performed. And then, um, see, Monday, I think uh, the Total Basis podcast with Felipe Melicio and Sean Connery will be going on Mondays now. I think that's the new time slot. I'm just so confused with all these shows and all the time switches, Randy. I can't yeah. do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you've been paying attention, we're going through a bit of a transition with the podcast. So just, you know, be alert in those groups. Look out for announcements when shows are coming. Uh, and, you know, obviously most people get alerts when people are live. So, um, yeah, just, you know, we appreciate all the support, whether you can watch live or in, on the audio-only platforms or on YouTube. You know, we greatly appreciate it. So, um, yeah, like Matt said, check out all the shows. We try to keep you covered as much. We're going to be on a more consistent schedule going forward now. Football season is basically here. It's an exciting time of the year. So uh, we're going to be back and on here. Uh, more often so uh matt uh good job good job today buddy after a month off you know i think we knocked it out of the park yeah you know i had to knock off that rust but you know what like the white Sox, i always bounce back <laughs> all right well like i said thank you guys for supporting us on the live we appreciate the comments as well uh however you may be listening wherever you may be listening thank you for making us a small part of your day on behalf of matt bushnell i'm randy hammond saying see you guys next week